So last week we started our four-part Advent series focused on this most popular of all Christmas carols, Joy to the World. And Pastor Frank started things off. We're going to look at each verse of the carol. He started with the first one, and he had a big reveal that when this carol was first written, it was not meant for Christmas at all. That was not the intention. Pastor Frank Explain that to us. If you weren't here last week or if you missed it, let me tell you a little bit more about the writing of Joy to the World. The year was 1719. 300 years ago, Isaac Watts wanted to write a a collection of songs in English that would translate the Psalms of David. And so he wrote these hymns and he collected it in a little book called The Psalms of David, imitated in the language of the New Testament. So what he did is he took the Psalms, he was inspired by the words of the Psalms to write these words in English that people could understand and point them to Jesus. Isn't that what we've been doing this morning? All the songs that we've been singing. And this is just one of the great ones. It's just interesting that it now is a Christmas carol when that was never its original intention. One of those reworked Psalms was Psalm 98 that we just read. And that provided the the launch point for Isaac Watts to write Joy to the World. So so we're going to look at Psalm 98 in just a moment, but just consider for just a second the lyrics that we sing when we sing Joy to the World. They're not very Christmassy, are they? Think about it. They're, They're joyful, not very Christmassy. Here's an example. This is what we looked at last week. Joy to the World, so I'm not going to sing. Please, no, I, I'm really, no, I'm not. Don't twist my arm. Joy to the world, uh, people are already leaving. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature. Okay, just make sure we're, we're all together. None of that happened when baby Jesus was born. Only a very few people, some shepherds, and a couple years later, a couple of wise men came along and, and saw him as, as king and, and, and joined their voices with the, the angels. But most people had no clue who was born that night. And when they found out who was born that night, they really didn't care for the most part. It says, receive this newborn king. People didn't receive him as king, let alone the whole earth. Scripture tells a very different story than what this carol is saying, if we're to say this is a Christmas carol. I'll give you an example. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. This is a a prophecy of the coming Messiah. This is what uh, the the people of God would anticipate the reaction would be of the Messiah. Listen to these words. See if it lines up with what we've been singing. Isaiah 53, 3 says of the Messiah that he was despised and rejected by men and that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was so despised, and we esteemed him not. That doesn't quite sound like joy of the world, to be so rejected. John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, the the opening words of John's gospel that harken back to Genesis 1 and and the calling forth of of the coming, uh, the creating God who sends his son, says this in verses 10 and 11, He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, 
and his own people did not accept him. And so what Pastor Frank explained last week brilliantly, and I'll try to, to add to that, is that this carol is not about the first advent, but about the second. The word advent comes from Latin. It means arrival. This carol and this psalm is not about the first arrival. It's about the return of Jesus. That's what we're singing about. That's what he's focused on here, his return. Now, we think of it that way, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Because at some future date, these things will be fully revealed. Yes, he has come with grace and truth, and he's touched your life and mine, but not everyone. But a day will come when he will come with grace and truth. And a day will come when his joy will fully fill the earth. And a day will come when his blessing will flow everywhere, as Pastor David's going to cover next week, far as the curse is found. But that day is not today. We're living in the tension of the already but not yet. That day will be when the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love, will be shown to the nations. Okay, so today we're going to look at verse 2 of Joy of the World as our launching point into the Psalm 98. You with me so far? Here it is on the screen. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men, and ladies, that means, you know, this is the old way of using the word men, all of humankind. Let men their songs employ. Now, do you ever wonder what this, what does this mean? While fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. That doesn't quite sound like Jay-Z, does it? It's Fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Does anyone ever wonder what that means? Like, how does that roll off the tongue? But, but then repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Okay, what's going on here? A little background about Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts grew up in a place in time, 300 years ago, when Christian worship was all found, the music, the lyrics were all either uh, psalms or pieces of scripture set to very dull music. As a creative type, as a a passionate follower of Jesus, uh, Isaac Watts found going to worship in church intolerable. He found it so hard because it was so boring. He famously wrote this. This is a quote. I'll grant you this is written in Great Britain 300 years ago, so just bear with the language. I'll try to translate in commenting on what he sees as a worship leader, imagine here's Rob at the piano. There's Isaac Watts leading people in church. He says, to see the dull indifference, the negligent and thoughtless air that sits upon the face of the whole assembly while the psalm is upon their lips might even tempt a charitable observer to suggest the fervency of their inner religion. What's he saying? He's saying, these people look so dull, are they even saved? Are they missing the the passion of what they're singing about? And he got really torqued up about this, so much so that his father put a challenge to him. He said, okay, Isaac, you're so worked up about this, about what's happening in worship in the church. I want to challenge you. And the challenge was to go back to Scripture and to the Psalms and to write music in the common language that men and women could sing in church that would inspire 
passion, would inspire praise, would drive them to the foot of the cross. And Isaac took that challenge, and he turned to the book of Psalms. Not only Psalms, the whole Psalter, but specifically book four, in which this psalm is found. That's Psalms, Psalm 90 to 106. Psalm 90 to 106, it's all about praising God. And he tried his best to write something that would inspire. And think about Joy of the World. We think it might be a little stuffy, needs a little refresh. But at the time, it was absolute earth-shatteringly change of music. It was pop music back in the day. It caused a big stir. Okay, now, with that as a preface, let's get to the Bible. Okay? Yes, please. And thank you. Verse 1 of Psalm 98. So here we have Isaac Watts and you and I. The Bible open before us, and what does he see in verse 1? Sing to the Lord a new song. And then what, what follows is a passionate call to sing to God. God who is seen as king. Now, the Israelites, uh, the, the chosen people of God in, in those Old Testament days, did not know of the coming Christ. They knew that uh, a Messiah was coming, but their focus was all solely focused on the one true God. But they knew that one true God as king. And they knew they were called forth to praise. That's what the psalmist is doing here, calling the people forward to praise, to sing. That's the command. If, that's, if you have your own copy of the text, circle the word sing there. Isaac Watts says, employ or use your song. It's just basically saying the same thing, to sing. And then the psalmist gives six reasons to sing. Look at verses one through three again. Why sing? What are we supposed to sing about? Count them off with me. Look at verses 1 to 3. For, this is going to give the cause, the reason, for he has done marvelous things. Number two is his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. And in Hebrew, the word salvation is also translated victory. Isn't that interesting? So often here in Western Christianity, we think salvation means me getting saved and make sure that I get to go to heaven. And absolutely, that's very, very vitally true. But there's a bigger piece. Salvation is the Lord's, but also victory over the whole world. His plan of restoration is not just to save sinners, but to restore all of the world. His right hand and his holy arm have worked that salvation, that victory. Number three, the Lord has made his salvation known. Number four, he's revealed his righteousness to the nations. Number five, he has remembered his love, his Hesed, steadfast love, and his faithfulness to Israel, to the house of Israel. And six, and finally, to the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The ends of the earth. Is that, it's a little hyperbolic language, like the ends of the earth have seen our, the salvation, the victory of God. Has everyone seen it? That's what the psalmist says we're to sing. That's what he says we're to praise. And here we have God's great international campaign to rescue the world. We have here in Psalm 98 God's mission strategy to have salvation, to have victory, to conquer, as we've been talking about in our Revelation series, over all the nations. And what's the means of that conquer? What's the strategy? Through the worship of his people. That through the worship of God's people, the nations will see our God reigns and they'll be transformed. That's God's plan. 
to use our worship to reach the nations. I love, where's Pastor Mark? Where'd he go? There he is. I love how Pastor Mark celebrates this and and he, he exemplifies this. He lives this. He lives this out. We're celebrating his not retirement at the end of this month. As our our mission and care pastor, passionate about sharing Jesus with people, he'll just walk up to anybody and tell them about Jesus. And passionate, so passionate in worship. First service, he he missed his cue to come up here and pray because he's just like praising Jesus. Like, come on, Mark, come on up. I think God says, amen, that's what I want. You see the passion and the joy becomes infectious, and it, and it transcends language and culture and barriers. When you see that in someone, you got to find out, well, what's going on with them? So as others see the enthusiasm and the love and the energy and the, the sense of expectation in God's people, they'll then be attracted to God's reality. But if they're going to be convinced of God's greatness, the redeemed must worship and must praise the Lord. Friends, how many of us here find it difficult to get going in worship right when we walk into the sanctuary? Some of us right away, just you're so excited, you come running in, you're ready to go. Others of us, okay, find my seat. Here we go. Let's kind of warm up. Rob starts warming up at like, what time did you get up this morning? Three in the morning? He starts warming up at 3 3 a.m. He's warming up. How do we get into worship? We get into worship together. Sometimes I don't know what to to sing joy for until I see you. And that's what we're doing together, to encourage one another, to be the body of Christ. And that's what we see the psalmist doing. He's saying this to, to everyone. He says, together, collectively, plural, sing to the Lord. And then he piles on reason after reason after reason to sing together. Do you need someone to encourage you to have joy in your life? We only come here for an hour, some of us. But that's enough to get us through the week ahead. Amen? For some of us, to have some joy, some encouragement, something to lift our spirit. But friends, listen, if you have zero passion in worship, and, and I'm not talking about style. I know the style of worship here has changed over the years. And certainly even in the two years I've been here, it's changed a little bit, has it not? I'm not talking about style or volume. Talking about what's on the inside. If you have zero passion for what's happening, the words we're singing, the, the Lord that we're lifting our voices to, there's only two reasons biblically to have zero passion. It has nothing to do with the lights or the sound or the style or the voice. Two reasons biblically. Either you've never experienced his grace or you're, you are a believer who has not fully gotten the magnitude of God's grace for you. Either you've, you've never fully experienced the grace of God, the penny has never dropped in your life. You say, Pastor P, I've been coming for a long time. I realize that, I recognize that. But if you've not experienced God's grace powerfully in your life, or if you've never ever giving your life to the Lord, those are the only two reasons to not have something stir within you. When I consider what a messed up I am, how far I would run from the Lord if he hadn't grabbed hold of me, 
and brought me back and showed me grace upon grace. And I'll tell you what, I don't care what type of service it is, I want to have a reason to sing joy to the Lord. To sing joy to the Lord. Do you have that sense of need in your life? Do you know your need for God's grace today, right now? If you do, say, Pastor, I can't raise my hands. That's okay. I can't sing. Neither can I. But I, but I know that I have need of God right now. Then you're in the right place. So I'd say this to believers, a room full of many of us here, say, I believe in Jesus. Amen. Fantastic. But if you're not passionate in your worship, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you this morning. If you don't feel that sense of burning inside you, in your heart, I want to challenge you to speak to your own heart right now. Yeah, to your own soul. There have been times when I have felt so depleted, like a, like a fire that's burning out, the embers are, are almost dead, and you need some fuel. And I turn back again and again to the same song, Psalm 42. That's where I go when, when I need to be filled up, be reminded. Two places in that psalm, verse 5 and verse 11, the psalmist speaks to his own soul and his own heart. You can do that right now. So what's going on? Listen to this. This is what he says twice. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Twice, twice the psalmist speaks to himself. Maybe right now in this, in this moment, you're observing, you're watching, you're having a conversation. Somebody's having a conversation with you. Have it with yourself. Say, I'm downcast. I don't get it. But I will praise you, God. I will put my hope in you. Help me, Lord. Put my hope in you. Psalm 42. Listen, Judas had the best pastor. Judas had the best teacher. And Judas, by far, had the best worship leader, and yet he failed. If your problem is passionless worship, the problem, let me say this humbly because we're still a work in progress, we're still figuring stuff out, but if you have passionless worship when you come into this place, and I say this humbly, it's not the music. It's not the worship leader or the volume or even the person standing in this pulpit. It's about what God has to do with us. Take this opportunity. Say, Lord, I want to feel that passion. I want to experience it. I want to know it. Not just a feeling. I want to know it. I want you to change my attitude and transform me. And if you're here this morning and you have not received Christ, what better opportunity to do it than right now? So we're, we're going to encourage uh, those among us here are our covenant partners, our members to take these signs and just spread the word. And as Pastor Mark said, the place is going to be packed. We're going to have every church chair down on the floor. We're going to have tons and tons of opportunity uh, to worship God on Christmas Eve and have a wonderful celebration with families and friends. And we don't want them to be surprised by what happens in an off-putting way like the video. We want them to be encouraged, like surprised by hope. Well, let me just say this right now. Between you and me, if you've been coming... The, for the two years that I've been here, I want to do something. I want to have an altar call. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day. This could be your last Christmas. Make this be the best Christmas ever. 
Jesus came on a rescue mission. He came into this world to rescue sinners and the lost. He came to absorb the wrath that we deserve. He came to pay for our sin. A debt we cannot pay. He paid it all in full for you, for the world. What's that doing you? You have the opportunity, the invitation. He's standing at the door and knocking. We just looked at that a couple weeks ago. You just have to open your heart. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. You know what will happen? You will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you'll say, I get it now. I get it now. This could be your last Christmas. And unless you are 100% certain of where you're going to be, you know, last week, Pastor Frank made a little comment about, you know, we're all going to be somewhere for eternity. It's just a matter of location. Do you remember that? And people laughed. I, I found it cringeworthy. I, I was like, laugh. This is the opportunity, friends. So I want to invite you to come forward and come down to this front row. We're going to pray with you. Maybe you need to recommit your life to the Lord. Say, I've just been going through the motions so long. We're going to invite you at the end of the service to come down as well. Because his gospel is the only way to salvation. It's the only way. Look at verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. So we get it. It's all about music in the early part of the psalm. And then he talks about different kinds of instruments. And he talks about the lyre and the harp. And he's got all kinds of things going in there. Look at verse 7 and 8 then. Then he, he really amps it up. He says, let the sea resound. The word there is roar. Let the sea roar in everything in it. And the world and all who live in it, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. I'll just make sure you're awake with me. Let them sing before the Lord. Now picture Isaac Watts. He's an artist. He's a musician. He's a poet. And he has Psalm 98 open in front of him. And he wants to make God's word clear and plain to English-speaking people so they understand what's happening and so they would be stirred to praise and have passion in their life. And from one poet to another, he knows that this poet doesn't really literally think that mountains can sing. Mountains don't literally sing. The sea doesn't, it roars, but it's not joining in a chorus. He's personifying these things. And so what does Isaac do? Well, look what he does. This is beautiful. His solution is to portray you and I, believers, employing our voices to praise. He says, repeat. He says, let men their songs employ. Repeat the sounding joy. What does it mean to repeat that sounding joy? It's an echo. So you're out in the wilderness. You're out in those fields and rocks and hills and plains. I love Jesus. 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 He's the king of the world, world, world. <laughs> and it echoes and it spreads and it touches the people around you. Everyone's singing and the rocks and hills themselves will join in. Jesus even said, if the children are quieted, the rocks themselves and stones will begin to sing. This is the joy, the resounding joy of every season, not just Christmas season, that we're just showing on our face and in our lives that people would see something different in us and say there's something different about those people. 
They have more of something. What do they have more of? They have more God. They have more love. They have more life. So do you get this? This salvation, this victory has come and yet has not fully arrived until Christ returns? Do you want to repeat the sounding joy? Do you want to put Christ back in Christmas? What's the other tagline? Do you want to keep, keep uh, Jesus as the reason for the season? Do you want to keep Christ in Christmas? Here are some examples of how to do that. How do we do that? We can't sing. Feed the hungry. Comfort the afflicted Christian. Love the outcast Christian. Forgive the wrongdoer. Find a home for the homeless. Give to world missions here at our church and to the deacon fund. Put that be the first Christmas gift under the tree. Dave, pull up that verse, 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. At this Christmas time, just sit with your family for a moment. Just consider the incredible, indescribable gift of Christ. Take the hand of the lonely and the anxious. Wrap someone with a hug. Donate big time to the Maple Valley Food Bank. And share the light of Christ by inviting someone to worship. Now let's end where we began this this message. And if you do need prayer, if you want to accept Christ or recommit your life, I want you to come down as I finish and come down here. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to have a time of praise and worship. And I'm going to pray for you and give you a gift as you head out. Psalm 98 was written about the victory of the king. It was written 500 years before Jesus. And yet we just said that it points to the end times. So now we're 2,500 years removed from this psalm. So what does Psalm 98 in the distant past have to do with the return of Jesus? Look at verse 1 again. This blew my mind when I saw it. Look at these words. It says, sing to the Lord, what? A new song. A new song. Ah. It it doesn't mean like a new song, like Rob's going to write a new song, or Isaac Watts writes a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song in the Bible is, is the words of the grace of God coming powerfully in a new way. And where does it show up? Those very words show up again in the Bible. You probably know where I'm going, don't you? We're going to Revelation. You have to wait till the very last book of the Bible to see where that new song is sung. The hope of the ancient people of God. Hope and praise for the king that would come and rule the nations and judge with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And when would that day come? Messiah came and then the clock started. And here we are in the end days. And listen to the scene from heaven. The John sees in John chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and following. And just, I want to pray this over you. I want you to catch a vision of heaven. And I want you to come down for prayer. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard a voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 
they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and in all the world sing out to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever and ever again. So God, we join our voices with the angels. We join the choir of angels, Lord, to sing of your praise forever and ever and ever. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and save. Come, Lord Jesus. Have victory in our life. Come, Lord Jesus. Give us purpose and meaning. Come, Lord Jesus. Defeat evil and the evil one and his schemes in our world. Come, Lord Jesus. Break the the sword and turn into a plow shield. Lord, bring peace on earth. Bring hope everlasting. Send forth your people, Lord. Send forth your people on the mission to reach the ends of the earth and all the nations that we might hear of your glad tidings and good news. Amen. Thank you.